Michael Litton, the last DJ host of Ride the Vibe. I am that guy that my good friend Peter Perkins is talking about in that show. And thanks to the late, great Tom Petty for penning that uh, killer song, The Last DJ. And if you haven't heard that, go out and uh, check that song out. It's, uh, it, it speaks volumes to where we are in, uh, in music today. And it wouldn't be a ride the vibe without my good friend, Waheed Gomes, owner of DRSATL right here in Roswell, Georgia, making it all happen on the sound and the production, et cetera, et cetera. So can't uh, thank him enough. And also have to give a shout out to a mutual friend of uh, all musicians, I think, on the planet. And that would be the one and only the amazing Lucy Pillar for the introduction to this uh, killer guest we've got on the show, Tom Guerra. And Tom can peel off blistering slide guitar licks. He has written hundreds of songs and his longtime collaborator, Kenny Aronson said, Tom is a great songwriter. He has great pop sensibilities and I really like his way of crafting a melody and I can't agree more. He is a sensitive and keen observer of the human condition as one will hear in his lyrics. So Tom, welcome to The Vibe. Well, thanks for having me here. I think I'm going home now. I can't live up to any of that hype. <laughs> oh, you absolutely can. You are, uh, you know, just amazing. And we're so blessed to have you on the show. And for your uh, listeners that are legion and continue to grow, the way we uh, roll the vibe is we like to encourage listeners to uh, sit back in a comfortable environment of their choosing because it's a podcast mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, listen to the music and then get a beverage of their choice, right? And, uh, you know, yeah. do it the, the old fashioned way. We used to have a, we'd sit around yeah. a record player, stack the albums and get a beverage and, you know, something else maybe. <laughs> and well, we, I got my beverage here. Oh, so I love it. What are you, what are you featuring? A uh, little vodka tonic here. Ah, nice, nice. We, yeah. You know, it's interesting because Waheed and I are featuring some vodka in the uh, studio. And we're know featuring that. some cathead, Tom. Okay. And you might say, what the heck is a cathead? What is it? What the heck is a cathead? <laughs> right on cue. Uh, the interesting enough, the term cathead is a compliment in Mississippi. And it was first coined back in the day by blues musicians. And I know, you know, based yeah. on your music, you are a blues aficionado. And it was yeah. a nod to the artists they respect. So Miss, Mississippi artists and musicians went on to use Cathead in many forms of folk art, as well as to pay the rent and share their uh, legacies. And Mississippi is, you know, of course, a proud state, you know, right? I mean, blues sure. sort of began there. Absolutely. And a deeply, uh, a genre that's deeply influenced all forms of American music. And Cathead distilleries... Um, Mississippi was the last state in the union, kind of crazy, in 1966 
to repeal prohibition. And so Cathead Distilleries has been, uh, is the longest running uh, brewery in, uh, or distillery in Mississippi. Wow. And they're a big supporter of live music. So we uh, great. we love Cathead. So cheers to Cathead. Cheers uh, to Cathead. Vodka um, in the studio. So we're going to play six of your songs, hmm. not in their entirety, just okay. a couple minutes. Uh, we were just talking in the run-up to the show, y'all. I mean, musicians, it's tough to make a living out here. I mean, y'all are, you know, going to Spotify. And Tom was saying, uh, you know, you, you Spotify 20,000 of his songs, which is killer. And he made like 70 bucks, you know? Yeah. So go to his website. <laughs> it, was, it was a good pizza though. You know? <laughs> he didn't get any wine with it or beer. <laughs> but go to his website, www.tomgarra.com. And you can buy his albums. And we're going to work back in his discology uh, from the most recent to the to the last. So Tom, yeah. uh, just can't thank you enough for coming on The Vibe. And cheers to... Well, uh, Cat Thanks so much for having me, Michael. Appreciate that. So talk a little bit, uh, before we play uh, one of your songs, talk a yeah. little bit about your blues influences or your influences, you know, Roy Gallagher, yeah. Paul Kossoff, yeah. Jimmy Page, sure. Keith Richards, Ronnie, Muddy Waters, Buddy Guy, Joe Walsh, just to name a few. Yeah, yeah, those those are all of them. And there's, you know, it depends on what day it is too, because I, I think I've honestly been influenced by every guitar player I've ever seen live. and. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not kidding you. I mean, I see, I, I, I'm not really a competitive guitar player, but I, I like a lot of different styles. And when I go to see somebody, I, I always can take away, wow, I really like the way they did that. So yeah. I kind of grew up in the seventies, yeah. um, like a lot of us and was really into the sounds Jimmy Page was getting. Mm -hmm. I love the sounds the Stones got on their records. So I kind of worked backwards there and uh, yeah. as luck would have it, um, when I was 19 years old, I was asked to play guitar for a guy by the name of Charles Calmese, who was Muddy Waters bass player who oh started his own band. Yeah. And, and Charles was on, you know, the Grammy winning Hard Again album. He was, he played with James Cotton. He played with Steve Miller. So that was a huge influence for me. He was like a mentor yeah. and, um, he kind of showed me what to play, what not to play. Yeah. And, um, and, and just, I mean, if I ever write a book, there's going to be a lot of Charles stories there. Cause there's a lot of hijinks, you know, when you're 19 years old. Well, and, I, I, and, I hope you do. I, I'd love to, yeah. <laughs> love to promote it on the vibe. So what, give me a couple, maybe top two or three pieces of advice that he gave you that you would pass on to, you know, the young players coming up today. Um, musically, it was never like a, you know, uh, we were, we were friends. So it was always like, yeah, play, play it like that. So yeah. it was just leave a lot of spaces Space. in the music. Yeah. Yeah. He was always one of these players that, um, he could funk, he could play funk bass. He was mm -hmm. a great bass player. That's mm -hmm. what his instrument was. Yeah. But he was the steadiest, um, you know, bass player in terms of just, you could set your watch by the guy. It was just mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why Muddy had him in his band. Sure. And, um, and in terms of, you know, other advice, I think he just, it was more of a feel thing yeah. versus a technical thing. And I think, you know, I think I have a little bit of musical, uh, technical knowledge, um, but most of the stuff that I do when I write is all just um, kind of coming up with something, yeah. developing a hook or developing lyric or a musical part. So I think that could all be traced to, to, to playing that. with Charles. Yep. 
you know, I was just reading an article on Gary Moore, the Irish yeah. uh, blues guitarist, sure. and his uh, one of his big influences was Albert King. And mm-hmm. the advice Albert gave to Gary was exactly what uh, you just mentioned, leave a little space, which <coughs> I think, yeah. you know, sometimes can be perhaps hard for young aspiring guitarists that really want to show their stuff and they just, that's lost on them a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's it's strange because right as I was learning to play guitar, I got the first Van Halen album ah. and I, I I had already played for about two years at that point. And I don't know, something inside of me said, I am never going to be able to do what he did. <laughs> so I kind of, so really, so I just kind of yeah. continued down the road I was playing, which was sort of the blues and blues rock thing and yeah. Mick Ralphs and Mick Ronson and mm-hmm. Paul Kossoff and sort of the, you know, the slower, but maybe tasty players, yeah. Rory Gallagher, probably my biggest guitar influence, yeah. um, who, who was also a huge influence on Gary Moore. Gary loved him, mm-hmm. you know? I love it. Well, I think speaking of, you've teed it up brilliantly. You're going to replace me here. <laughs> Let's hear a Sudden Signs of Grace. And yep. this is the title track off your fourth solo album. And then again, y'all, we're working back in his discology. And you want to go, you know, during the podcast, you can go to www.tomtomgueerra.com and actually buy the album. And then he can yeah. make some money and get some wine with that pizza next time he takes his family out. <laughs> That's great. All right. Thank you. Why eat if we could? <laughs> Sudden Signs of Grace by Tom Guerra. I love that song. And it, it's it got, to me, Tom, maybe it was intentional, maybe not, but it's got kind of a Paul Simon Graceland feel to it. Is that? It, it, it was, that was not intentional at all. I, I've 
love that album. Yeah, it's a great yeah. album. But um, I was done with the album and it was literally New Year's Day and I was taking a walk outside and I came up with that song in about 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. And uh, I, I sent it to Kenny and Kenny's like, yeah, I, I, I can hear some fretless on that. So uh. he did a great bass part. Um, and that's, and then it was like, yeah, this is going to be the title of the album too. So it. it, it, it worked out and, um, we did a video of it that I, I really came out nice. It has a, you know, like 20 of my favorite musicians, including Dan Baird of the Georgia satellites mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of cats like that. Um, GE Smith is in it. Um, yeah. and it's, it's a, it's a great little video that John Butcher, um, who's in it as well, um, produced for me. And, and John's a great uh, guitar player and friend and somebody I really admire who I've uh, gotten uh, uh, very close to in the past five or six years. Love it. And uh, G.E. Smith of the uh, Saturday Night Live band. As I, yeah. As I yeah, G.E. Smith. And uh, I mean, Kenny Aronson's in it. Uh, Christine Ullman, who's mm-hmm. also the singer on this SNL band. Yeah. Um, so it's a cool little video if you want to check it out. I love it. And they can find that also on your website or just yes, YouTube? Yes, on the website. Yeah, and YouTube too. As well. Yeah. So talk about, um, you know, this this project. And, you know, you mentioned it just a minute ago. Uh, and I've heard other artists talk about how some of the best work just comes to them. What, what, what's that like? I mean, what, what's it like to have something like this song just come to you and then others you know, a struggle. How does, yeah. How's that work? No, it, it, a lot of times for me, it, it happens sort of in that early morning period when you're half awake and something will come into your head. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it'll be a melody. Sometimes it'll be a lyric. And I usually just, I think everybody gets these, but they probably forget about them. But I think I, I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more OCD about that's a good idea. Let's develop that. Yeah. And I develop it and it comes into something. And that's that's how like the the new record that I'm working on now, um, I thought I was done with that as well, but I just came up with this kind of funky song and um, and it's going to be <laughs> coincidentally back to our prior conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's called um, Where's the New Rock and Roll? And it's all about getting screwed in the music business. <laughs> so, well, that won't get any play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. That'll it's get censored. Biting the hand, biting the hand that feeds. But, you yeah, know, it, just it, talk to the, the cats that did Let's Go Brandon. You know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. They got shut down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so so um, are you a, a follower or did you at all read... You know, the artist way, Julian Cameron's brilliant book where she talks about morning pages, right? And kind of what you're, you're describing, ideas coming in the morning and her um, belief or her suggestion to any artist was, you know, just to sit down. Uh, she suggested the morning and just do 15 minutes of free flow and no, no that, that's spell uh, check, that's no nothing, no, yep. no one's ever going to see it. And out of it comes the song, the next play, the next book, the next whatever. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I've not even heard of that, but yeah. it sounds exactly like the same phenomenon. Process um, that you use. Yeah, it's a, it's a process too. I, I did read um, a, one of my favorite books was Dr. Oliver Sacks' Musicophilia. Ah. And he kind of describes how music impacts the brain and how people write music. And, and I definitely know with me, if, if I'm doing something, if I'm writing a song and I finally put it together, it's like a puzzle. Yeah. 
And I just get this tremendous sense of, I don't know if it's endorphins yeah. or something, um, but it's it's a positive rush. And um, Does and that continue each time you play it? Do you, do you I mean, or... You know, you, you uh, wonder not, about some of these artists who've had a hit and then they go, oh, if I knew this, if I was, I think it was Joe Walsh, maybe he said, if I knew I was going to yeah. be playing this for the rest of my life kind of thing. But, you know, is it, do you get that over and over the it's, same? It's or not, it's, it's not really the same when you're, when you're um, playing it, yeah. um, at least for me, yeah. um, to me, it's that creativity. Mm -hmm. And that's, I've really focused, um, I've done a lot of many, many gigs over the, the past 40 years yeah. and, um, since I really focused in on my own solo career, it's been mostly studio stuff mm -hmm. because honestly, I get the most enjoyment out of that. Yeah. And it, it started to happen when a lot of the clubs around my area mm -hmm. um, sort of closed down. Right. And so, um, mm -hmm. so that I'm kind of, I've really focused in on, on writing original music yeah. and, um, and, and, and producing the CD and getting the CD out there, or the album out there. I love it. Well, I want to I want to circle back and talk a little bit more about that, the clubs closing down and also, you know, when you recognized you had this this gift. Uh, but let's cue up Lonely No More. This is also a track off of Sudden Signs of Grace. It's Tom's latest release, his fourth solo album. And you all can go out and should go out and support local music because this Tower Records said brilliantly in their tagline, no music, no life, www.tom, T-O-M, G U E R R A dot com. Let's queue up Lonely No More. signs of grace loving that song and um, right before we played this song Tom we were talking about 
you know, your forthcoming work, which I want to, you know, I want to get to uh, as well. But I'd really like to explore, have you flush out a little bit. When did you first recognize you had this talent? How did it manifest? And, and also how was it, you know, who, who, or how was it encouraged? Mm -hmm. Um, well, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I was always into visual art and Mm -hmm. drawing and, and painting and everything. And, um, then I, I, my parents sent me to a private high school for disciplinary reasons <laughs> <laughs> and that, that high and, school. And just, just pause just for a minute. And would that yeah. have been because the traditional model just didn't fit your creativity? I mean, it, it, a very possibly, but, but what happened was this high school didn't really have an art program. And right around that same time, I mean, I've always been into listening to music, but I started playing guitar. Yeah. And I think in, in looking back, there was sort of a, some creative thing going on in my mind that needed, you know, creative Jones or whatever mm-hmm. that needed to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as I started playing, I mean, I would, I would try writing um, and work on songwriting because I knew that was sort of the only way I could differentiate myself. Everybody's got their own thing, you know, and I knew I wanted to write songs and I always loved good, well-written songs. From, you know? from what age, Tom? I mean, that's, that's, that was probably 14. Wow. Um, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Cause that's, yeah. that's a differentiator though. I mean, a lot of cats, you know, they pick up the car and they just want to do covers and they just, you know, they're right. content to do that. But you recognize that writing was hence why you've written hundreds of songs over. Yeah. And I think part of that was because I just, you know, my, my fort or my talents were not, I could never copy anybody mm-hmm. um, as much as I tried. Um, I just did not have that knack for, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hear some guys and they can sound exactly yeah, like, right. you know, fill in the blank. Right. Um, and, and as much as I would have liked to have done that, it just was not, that's not where I mm-hmm. was going for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Yeah. Interesting. And then, you know, we were talking about a little bit while, while the song was playing, um, the fact that this album is much more acoustic and a little, I don't want to say mellower, but not as rock and rollish as perhaps some of your others. Yeah. What did that, you know, how, how did that come I, about? I, you know, I don't even know how that came about, but I... Many, many years ago, I had picked up this this little old Gibson LG-1, which is a small uh, acoustic guitar, LG's ladies' guitar. Ah. So, I mean, that's when, when Gibson made these things, they yeah. were sort of shorter scale. But I just, I fell in love with this guitar. And when I started writing for the Sudden Signs of Grace album, um, I, for whatever reason, I started doing a lot, writing, a lot of writing on acoustic and recording on acoustic. And then I was like, well, I'll replace that with electric. And then after a while, I'm like, why? Yeah. This is, this sounds good, you yeah. know? And that song has a little kind of Dickie Betts type yeah. of lead at the end. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's acoustic and I'm like, fine, let's go with that. Yeah. So the next one though, which is already almost all done recording yeah. is, is a lot more electric guitar, crunchy rock and roll mm-hmm. stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why that happened, but it, that it did, you know? And do you, I mean, do you find that, uh, as you, to use your phrase, that that helps uh, assage your jonesing, you know, because you can go in so many different directions. You don't have to feel like, well, I have to do this all the time. I can go acoustic or I can now go back electric. Sure, sure. And I mean, it's not like I'm, I think some artists 
that that have actually sold a lot of records are are sometimes um, <laughs> have to get you know pigeonholed. B- b- well, so you, sometimes they're they're beholden to a certain mm-hmm. thing, you know, and the record company wants something yeah. that sounded exactly the like the last hit right. they did. Right. So, so I guess you know one of the um, benefits of being an unknown starving artist <laughs> is I can do Not whatever unknown. the unknown I want. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. Right, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Well, t- but, you know, but, uh, it, it, it hit me because on this album, because Graham Parsons uh, had a birthday, God rest his yep. soul, uh, last yep. Friday, yeah. and you did, uh, you covered Streets of Baltimore. So talk about, because Graham Parsons, and not not a surprise uh, that people really don't know who he is because God, you know, he, he died at 26. So he I was know. such a flash, but talk yep. about how you came to to know Graham, uh, his music, Graham's music, and then yep. and then why you selected Streets of Baltimore, which I, I love. Sure, sure. Well, I've I've kind of got into Graham because, you know, reading a lot about the Stones, I knew he and Keith were yeah. tight, and yeah. and uh, you know, I said, well, let me check this guy out because I Keith to me is almost like the North Star, you know, and ah, whether it's reggae or blues, yeah. I mean, he he's got great taste in music, yeah. so. I got into Graham and I yeah. just totally got in deep and um, did Wild Horses was that the one that led you to to him or, um, or I think his first solo album GP yeah. um, was the thing that really got me into it but yeah I mean Wild Horses and then I went back and listened to the Burritos mm-hmm. and that stuff and um, but w- yeah one day I was just driving in my car and was listening to um, the GP album. Yeah. And Streets of Baltimore came on and I just started singing along to it. And uh, I'm like, yep, this is, this is kind of in my range. Yeah. I didn't even have to change the key yeah. or anything. Um, and I said, yeah, I'm going to try this, you know, and um, I've got a good friend of mine who's a real good lap steel player um, who, who strangely enough was the subject of the song Lonely No More. He, uh, he and his, uh, his significant other decided they wanted to leave Nashville and go to Arizona. Yeah. And I kind of was writing that song and, and I, I said, you know, I'm going to kind of borrow a line from his life. Let's move out to Arizona where there's more than gigs to be found. <laughs> and, and then I, I, I told him, uh, you know, is it okay if I borrow a line from your life? He goes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I was recording Streets of Baltimore and his name's Scott Rath. Yeah. Great musician from the Boston area who lived in Nashville for a long time. He played with Warren Zevon and Ginger Baker, a whole bunch of people. Mm. And Scott, Those are two um, volatile individuals right yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he made it through, too. Wow, and, God uh, bless him. <laughs> he's a great guitar player, great musician, yeah. um, and he's a great lap steel player and, or pedal steel player. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, hey, you want to you wanna join me on this tune? And he really did a nice job yeah. on the pedal steel on that guitar, on that song. And know? folks can find that on your website. And Waheed was kind enough to let me know I'm dropping one of the W's, www.tomgueera.com. And we're yeah. going to, so, well, we're taking just a short break to uh, support a, a, or ha, a play a sponsor that's near and dear to my heart's my heart. Um, go out and buy some stuff from Tom's website and we're going to yeah. be right back. We're going to play a, uh, another cover of uh, a totally different artist, but another one that died way too soon. The number of premature infants born in the United States each year, 380,000. That's 9.8% of the total births in the U.S. The foundation for premature infants' mission is to advocate for the right of all premature infants to be cared for in a developmentally supportive and age-appropriate manner. Our vision? 
is to ensure that Premature Infants Bill of Rights is the standard of care for all babies born prematurely 24 hours per day, 365 days per year on all shifts in every neonatal intensive care unit throughout the world. Please consider making a donation by visiting us on Facebook, Foundation for Premature Infants, or at our website, foundationforprematureinfants.org. You're back on Ride the Vibe. Michael Litton, the last DJ, playing what he wants to play and playing some killer music from Tom Guerra off of currently Southern uh, or Sudden Signs of Grace. And uh, I'm saying what I want to say. And that bloody Facebook, man, they've shut my foundation down. I don't know why, but uh, God bless them. Ugh, it's a crazy world, Tom. Um, but at any yeah. rate, uh, you also on uh, Sudden Signs of Grace did a cover of Give Me Some Water by uh, an early Eddie Money tune. Talk about yeah. his influence and how you came to select that one. Yeah, so um, I saw Eddie in 79 live in the Yale Bowl. It was probably 110 degrees. He played that song and it, it stuck with me. And then Because it was 110? <laughs> exactly. Everybody was like, give me some water. water yeah. and, and, you know. And then in 86, I ended up um, meeting with him, uh, meeting Eddie and, and kind of talking to him quite a bit. And he, he actually invited me to play in the studio with him, but we, we couldn't get it together um, for, for a variety of reasons. But um, he was oh, very, very cool to me and very supportive. And um, I, I later saw him on tour. I, I hooked up with him then again. And um, he was always just, you know, you know, he, he, was not a darling of the press or the media, yeah. but he did what he wanted. And that guy had a great, very distinctive voice, like a Rod Stewart, mm -hmm. where you can hear him sing three or four words and you know who it is. Yeah, you and recognize that to me is, it. Yeah. yeah, you recognize him. And that to me is a sign of a great singer. Mm -hmm. So when I heard he was sick, I had recorded that album, um, that, that version of Give Me Some Water. I sent it to him. Um, and then I didn't really hear anything. And then like, you know, two or three days later, I heard he would pass, but oh my I talked gosh. to his, I talked to his wife about it and she was like, you know, he, he, we so appreciate you sending that to him. And, um, but anyway, um, wow. you know, as, as another friend of mine said, you probably killed him when he heard it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, that's not very nice. Who is that that's terrible? <laughs> no, but, but. Yeah, that's a that's a song. It's pretty different than his original version, mm -hmm. and it's I changed had to change the key because we have different voices, right, different style right. voices. But um, I wanted to do that to honor him because yeah. he was cool to me, and yeah. uh, and I, I it came out pretty decent. So we, I put that on sudden signs as well. And I I love what I'm I'm also picking up. Uh, it's resonating, uh, um, you know, pretty intensely. That it's uh, it's the it's the vibe you put out as an artist as well. That then. Karma brings you all of these connections that you've referenced. If you're, yeah. you know, a dick, you're not, I mean, people are just like, well, he may be the hottest thing in, you know, on guitars and sliced bread, but I don't want anything to do with him. Right. I mean, isn't that right. a, another piece of advice you would. Exactly. Don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a cat head. <laughs> right. Be a cat head. Be a not cat a head. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks to the uh, foundation, we're going to roll the rest of the show commercial free. And cool. I'd love to, uh, you know, it's only fitting because I am the last DJ to uh, tee yeah. up Walls, which mm -hmm. uh, is a cover off your third solo album called American yep. Garden. Yep. And uh, Wahid, if we could hear a little TP by Tom G. Some days 
Jay playing a cover of Tom Petty's On Ride the Vibe. That's Tom Guerra's third solo album, American Garden. Doesn't get any better than that for me. Talk about, uh, you know, so I'm thinking, man, we got Graham Parsons born in Winter Haven, Florida, then moves to Waycross, GA. And then we yep. got Tom from Gainesville. I mean, we got we got some Southern, uh, and then we got Cathead in the studio here. So yeah. we're drenched in some uh, Southern uh, Southern stuff. Talk about that yeah. selection and uh, what a great song. Well, I um, it I love Petty. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was probably one of the greatest writers yeah. of of the latter part of the 20th century, and uh, yeah. was was sad when he passed. But I I got to spend some time with Mike Campbell. Oh my gosh. Um, and, Talk and about Mike an underrated was, guitarist, I would oh say. Oh, my God. I love love Mike. Yeah. I actually um, write for a couple of guitar magazines, including one down your way called Tone Quest. Ah. And, and Tone Quest, uh, um, I, I put a feature together on Mike Campbell for Tone Quest and then got to hang out with him backstage and uh, wow. let me play his 52 Telecaster and... You know, and and didn't never met Tom Petty, but he was in yeah. the next room, yeah. warming up doing vocal scales, and I'm like, uh, is that Tom? He's like, yeah, and it sounded like you know Bob Dylan doing vocal scales, <laughs> <or something. laughs> you know. It, but it was it was awesome. Yeah. And Mike Mike was so cool. Yeah, and um, and when I I covered that was always one of my favorite songs. Yeah. but it it's kind of um you can't really cover Refugee or or right. something like right. that or right. So I wanted something obscure, and I tried to do one or two covers per album. Yeah, um, and 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 that that's you know. off what album of theirs? Because I I it sounded familiar to me, but I couldn't place where well, he he was writing for an album. Um, it was a soundtrack, soundtrack for a movie yeah. called "She's the One," which had Jennifer Aniston in yeah. it. I guess. Yeah. And I think that was an outtake from that. Um, That's crazy. And he's, there's a couple, there's three or four different versions of that. Yeah. And I did that one. Um, I, it's funny. I played what I thought Mike Campbell might play as a guitar solo mm-hmm. in that. So it's it's just as much a tribute to Mike yeah. as it is to Tom. Yeah. Um, but that's, I, I love that song. And it kind of, I think it's, he really captured something there. And uh, especially anybody who's ever had you know, a relationship that didn't work out right, or something. Right. Um, I think he really captured it in that song. Yeah, it's not, you know, you talk about his writing and then <laughs> and I think, you know, I'm immediately flashing to the traveling Wilburys and going, oh, God. oh geez, you got like three of the greatest writers to, you know, to your point yep. in one band and then one of the most brilliant vocalists in Roy Orbison and then, you know, yep. producer in Jeff Lynn and player exactly. in Jeff Lynn. You're going, exactly. that, that was like all world. <laughs> that was when... <laughs> I I still listen to that album. Oh my you know, gosh. The first one. Yeah. It was great. It's just unbelievable. And if any yeah. if y'all haven't heard the Traveling Wilburys, you you need to go check them out because it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, oh, you also uh, do a cover on this American Garden of one of my favorites. Uh, well, uh, Tom, of course, but uh, Brandy Carlisle's The Story, which is a, a you know, and that that's kind of a bold, was a bold move, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> in touch with my inner yeah. femininity <laughs> talk, or something. Talk about you know? that. Cause she was, she's amazing. She's amazing. And I was listening to Garrison Keeler's show one day, which was Prairie Home Companion. Right. right. And she was on that show and I had never heard that song before. And I'm like, Oh my God, yeah. this, this is a great song. Yeah. And of course she's just got the, a killer voice and a killer band. Um, but I wanted to try that and it's a little bit more rock and roll. Right, you know, if right. you listen to my version, there's a lot of, 
crunchy guitars on it. Yeah. But um, but I I've I've wanted to take a stab at it, and I I actually recorded that for. The, at the time I did the prior album, which was called Trampling Out the Vintage right. and didn't put it on the album because um, I wasn't really finished. And I was like, you know, this is, this is just way out there for me. Yeah. But I, um, I, I listened to it and it, and I made a couple tweaks to it and I was like, this thing could go on the next album. Yeah. And it ended up going on American Garden. I yeah. love it. Well, you do a fantastic job on, um, so people need to check it out on uh, your website. And, yeah. uh, if you haven't, you know, Tom referenced, uh, Brandy Carlisle's, uh, band, she's got two cats on there, the twins, the oh, Henderoff twins, the twins that, uh, Hanseroff, so yeah. yeah, they do a <laughs> pretty amazing version of bridge over troubled water, which, um, yeah, even Brandy goes, Whoa, man, that's freaky good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is great. And and Phil Hanseroth wrote that song, The Story. Too. Oh, he did? Ah, yeah, he did. Yep. Interesting. So he was in touch with his inner, yeah, inner yeah, yeah. femininity or whatever. Too. I love yeah. it. I love, well, we need to, we're going to uh, hear another tune off American Garden, and then we will uh, transition to trampling out the vintage. But okay. if we could, Waheed, let's cue up Goodbye to Yesterday. third solo album, American Garden. Who's the harp player on that song, Tom? Yeah, that's a guy by the name of Gary Siegel on harp. Nice. Uh, and really, really did a great job. He plays on a couple songs off that album. Yeah. And um, that, that particular song, Kenny and I wrote because at the time, the Yardbirds were putting together a new studio album and uh, all the guys in the band were writing. Yeah. And he asked me to do some writing with them and we wrote about five songs and 
I mean, I was writing out charts. I'm like, this is going to happen. Yeah. And then, of course, it didn't happen. They pulled the plug on it. <laughs> it, it has such a Yardbirds feel to it, though. It totally. Yeah. It totally. It was, that's, that was definitely uh, by intention. Dine, and, design, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so when that thing fell apart, um, it was supposed to be produced by Jack Douglas. I mean, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I said, I said to Kenny, I said, I'm going to put this, this demo on my next project, mm -hmm. which became American Garden. Garden. So I love it. you got that, you got Family of One and you got uh, the Lion King or three of the songs mm -hmm. that we wrote for the Yardbirds. And, mm -mm -mm. Well, yeah. great album. So y'all go out and buy that American Garden album and talk about where the time is just flying by. And I want to get to the yeah. songs off of uh, sure thing. song off of Trampling Out the vin Vintage and yeah. also all of the above. <clears throat> but talk about your decision in this crazy day and age in music to, to do albums versus singles or EPs, you know, which are kind of the yeah. popular thing now. Yeah, I'm I'm I think I'm old school in that regard. Um you can I love get that all about my you. stuff. Yeah. You, you can get a, you can get it all on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever too, but I I kind of am really into the sequencing of right. you know, if you can spare yourself 35 or 40 right. minutes to listen to a whole album. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I labor over stupid stuff like sequencing and to me you listen to your your favorite albums and you know, the sequence of the songs. It's important. There is, yes, it's, it is important. There's a flow to it. Correct. So. Yeah. Well, I like that old school. I think we've lost a lot, you know, and that, that was a lot of the format of Ride the Vibe is back in the day, you know, we could get depth out of the album because it was there in the liner notes or the booklet yep. or the whatever. And I now, know. you know, Spotify, that's how we, what do yeah, you all get we from learned. that? Yeah. You, we right. learned from that. Right. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Well, I want to hear, I want to transition to uh, trampling out the vintage, which is your second mm -hmm. solo album. And yeah. I want to play, uh, if we could, while he'd cue up love, we'll forget you. <laughs> Get you and steal your baby. 
vibe will love will forget you that's trampling out the vintage tom guerra's uh second solo album which you all are going out and buying right now off his website and tom um i love that song and it, but back in 2009 you were uh really given a big honor i i, I think by uh you, you were asked by johnny winner to do his oh, yeah. liner notes for his uh, yeah. volume four bootleg ser- series. Talk about how that came about and uh, how you, f- sure. you know, how that made you feel. <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was cool. I had um, interviewed Johnny a bunch of times and, and by that point in time, uh, I think we could say that we were friends and um, uh, he was a great guy, man. He was just a monster and uh, they were putting together a bunch of, live albums which they called the bootleg series mm-hmm. and he asked me if i would write the liner notes to a, a couple of them and which i of course did yeah. and um and you know spent some time with him right before he died and uh he was just i i was so psyched because yeah. he kind of you know he had kind of gotten his mojo back mm-hmm. and, and he was on the road again and you know great great I mean, one of the greats yeah know? just unbelievable so it was an honor for you to do that. So oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I told you in the run-up to the show, I wouldn't uh, put you on the spot, but I'm going to let you uh, have some time to think about this while we play no. Refrigerator Blues. But if you were putting, if you could, uh, were putting together a three-piece band, yeah. and it's made up of anyone that's either dead or alive, who would you pick yeah. and why? And then we're going to, you know, come back to that. I don't want to just put you on the, I, that would be mean, mean to put you on the spot. But uh, if we could, Waheed, well, we got something's. Oh, um, if we could, we could queue up Refrigerator Blues. And this is a track off of Tom's first solo album, All of the Above. And then we'll come back and hear what Tom suggests. Oh, Tom, did you hear my question? Uh, no, no, I got cut off for a second, but it was, yes, I heard the trio, but is that including me or just no, no. anybody? Yeah. J- okay. Yeah. And anyone dead or alive? Anyone dead or alive yeah. for three piece three band. Three piece band. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. Let me think about that. That's why um, I, I thought I'd give you some refrigerator blues <laughs> to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To chill. Do the chill. Yeah. Let's get it. And you're at the 
any refrigerator blues that's off the tom garris all of the above tom welcome back just having a fascinating conversation that's flying by and right before we cue that up i uh gave you the gotcha question i <laughs> promised i wouldn't give you but i am the last dj so yeah i, I can i can do the, that kind of thing so yeah. we, uh, you know, it was a three-piece band made up yep. of anyone dead or alive, and uh, who you would pick and why you would pick them. That's a, that's such a tough. That's tough, but it, it is. It is. I mean, the first three that came to mind, yeah. um, because he's such a great bass player and singer. Yeah. I would say Paul McCartney. Oh my gosh, that's one of yeah. my picks. Okay, and, and writer, and say, you got right, and you got the writing component there great too. Great writing, dude. We're, then, we're in sync. <laughs> okay, all right, Michael. And then I would say guitar player would be Jimi Hendrix. Ah, um, interesting. Okay. And then for drummer, I would have to say John Bonham. Ah, interesting. So, yeah. Two dead guys and one alive, alive. guy. But. <laughs> and I would uh, substitute for drummer uh, Henley. Only because oh, of his okay. writing and singing, and then and singing, I, I would sure. have to go with uh, my man Clapton on uh, guitar. On guitar, sure. <laughs> but good wow. choices on your part, and I love it. Yeah. So, so talk of uh, about refrigerator blues and all or, uh, off of all of the above, which I love the yeah. the title. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's um, it's pretty clear if you hear the lyrics to it. It's uh, it's an anti heroin song, yeah. and um. And and that's basically what it's about. It's you know speaking you of know, a lot of dead cats that we've referenced in this right, uh, right. in this so, hour. Um, you know, I I've been in I've seen bands ruined by that, and um, it's I don't know, man. I I don't I don't want to preach to anybody, but it's just nowadays you you're crazy if you do anything like that because right. you don't know. I mean, it's all fentanyl and poison, and you know, so just. Just don't do it. You no, know, amen so. to that. Just say no to that. Yeah. Amen. Well, and how many examples do we, I mean, you know, we referenced Clapton. He was a heroin addict. Right. We referenced yeah, sure. Graham Parsons died at yep. uh, the Joshua tree too young. I mean, yep. you know, the list yeah. goes on. Uh, Hendrix, I mean, the list goes on right. and on. So There's not a, not a lot of guys that say, hey, that, that really worked out yeah. well for, <laughs> well, me. for me. Other than, <laughs> other than one of your, your North Star, Keith Richards, you know, and God bless Keith. But the joke, of course, is, you know, three things that would su survive a nuclear holocaust. Cockroaches, right. spam, Cockroaches. and Keith. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. You know, just cra but, you know, crazy stuff. A lot of guys have tried, di died trying to be him, though. Too. Yeah, so bingo. You know, not a good, not key. a good road to go down for sure. Right. It yeah. will, it will give you the refrigerator blues, which you don't want. We'll talk right. about. We we'll circle back around a little bit to uh, the amazing Lucy Pillar, but talk about your connection to her, just and then also your upcoming album and uh, when that sure. will be released. Sure. And any uh, anything else you want to share? As we as we come to the top of the hour, sure, Michael. Well, well, um, Lucy and I met about twenty five years ago. Wow. Um, and and thank you very much. To, a shout out to Lucy yeah. for putting you and I together. Yeah. But um, I was doing a biography of Paul Kossoff uh, for Vintage Guitar Magazine. Yeah. And Lucy lent me a bunch of her own personal pictures, yeah. and I mean, just amazing. Yeah. She's a great lady. Yeah. Um, and she was very helpful with that and we stayed in touch yeah. and, um, and she's really like keeps that whole free mantle yeah. alive, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and free, 
you know, we didn't talk about them, but they're by probably one of my top three yeah. bands of all time. So. Yeah. So if you all yeah. don't, I mean, if you, yeah, listeners that don't know the band Free, you know, you want to go back, you know, if you want to be a musicologist, you need to trace back from Bad Company all the way to Free. And yep. Lucy Pillar um, is, in my opinion, the equivalent of the almost famous, right? That that story yeah. about a writer. Yeah. But Lucy is the f- uh, photographic, uh, you know, equivalent of that. And right. literally as a young uh, person with a camera around her neck, wandered backstage at one of Free's concerts when they were only like 17, 16, 17, yep. 18 years old. She goes, hey man, you guys mind if I take pictures? And they go, no. She goes, do you mind if I take pictures of your next gig? And they go, where is it? <laughs> she goes, well, it's yep. at you know, XYZ. And she knew more about where their gigs yeah. were than, than they something. knew. Yeah. And uh, the rest is history. She went yeah. on to, to uh, chronicle them in in uh, f- photographs and then they yep. became bad company many of them and on and on yeah so. yeah it's it's they were just an amazing great band and you know kind of a case of too much too soon yeah they were so right, young right um but god they were all you know when when you asked me the trio question yeah paul rogers actually was the first singer i thought yeah, of but, right you know he's not really a bass player right need a bass player for that trio yeah so. <laughs> It was, it's kind of, it becomes somewhat, somewhat self-limiting. And if yes. you all are fans of the blues and you have not heard, and this can't, this is a great recommendation from Fred Sampson. Um, he, he strongly recommended to go check out um, Paul's, Paul uh, Rogers, uh, Muddy Waters Blues, which is his yeah. tribute to Muddy Waters. And it's uh, yeah, fantastic. Great, great record. Yeah. Well, just as we're closing, talk about uh, where, when you met Kenny uh, Aronson and how, you know, how all that sure. came about. Sure. Um, well, Kenny played, uh, I was with a band for many years and I, I guess I still kind of am because we get together a couple times a year and, and do some gigs called the Mambo Sons. Mm-hmm. And Kenny played on that first Mambo Sons record yeah. and we stayed in touch and uh, just probably one of the greatest rock and roll bass players. In fact, he could he could be in the trio too, yeah. but he doesn't sing. Right. So we would need a guitar player singer. Yeah. Maybe Johnny Winter, Kenny Aronson, and John Bonham. There you go. But, <laughs> Love it. But, but, but and I, you're I, I okay. Think you can do that. You can modify yeah. as many times as you want. Yeah. But I, I think the world of Kenny, he's an amazing musician. Yeah. He's a fantastic bass player, but he can also play other instruments mm-hmm. very, very well. And it's been an honor of mine to work with him for many, many Love years. It. And he's he's all over the new album as yeah. well. So. Speaking of, you teed that up brilliantly. Thank you. So just as we close here, when mm-hmm. can we expect that? When can listeners expect it? And we would love to have you come back on the vibe and uh, talk about that yeah. project when you get it when you get it out. Yeah, I would l- I'd love that, Michael. Um, it's going to be probably spring of 2022. Okay. Um, it's, it's, recording wise, probably 80% done. And then we'll have to mix it and yeah. then master, get it mastered. And, but I'm thinking like, you know, March, April next year, yeah. um, really, really excited about it. God. It's, it's definitely, um, I think it's going to be a good one. And a full album to your, uh, your, yep. your, your bent. I love yep, that. It'll be full, full album. Yeah. Very cool. Well, any parting comments, words of wisdom for aspiring musicians that you'd like to share? Um, no, just keep supporting it and keep writing music and keep, you know, really appreciate being on your show, oh, Michael. Gosh. And, and, it's um, our honor. also want to thank Waleed for having us as the host yeah. and, um, 
And thanks to Lucy for setting this up. It's a magical trio. And when you radiate out positive light and love and, uh, you know, it comes all, all full circle. So God bless you, Tom. Stay free and keep all rocking right. and rolling. Oh, thanks so much. Take care, guys. All right, we're out of here. Michael Litton, the last DJ host to ride the vibe. Go.